When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Call in at 402-489-1240 or at 800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Into our two, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. We'll get to some of the stream comments in a little bit as we'll get things kicked off. Still comments from Coach Riola and Coach Dvorak here to come as they met the media today. Christian and Elijah Herbal, thanks for spending time. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, the KFOR Facebook and Twitter, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio and the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, just find Hale Varsity. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald. He'll kick off Hour 2 and Evan Bland OWH on Twitter. Evan, how we doing? Are you... Uh, Able to navigate through this, uh, well, this glazed Wednesday evening. Thanks for the time. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Need the the ice skates to move along the road here. I think tonight, so it's a little bit slow going, but hanging in. Good, good, good. Thanks for for your time and get a start with football. We'll get to some baseball in a moment, but uh, let's uh, start with the offensive line and the, uh, the the work that's going in here in winter conditioning and. Right now, the assessment that's ongoing, and at least this is one spot, Evan, where Nebraska has some familiarity, not just with personnel, but with the same coach, with the same coach in Riola, as he's able to to kind of see where where guys are at, and then confer with his well with his new partners on offense. Uh, they're still searching for the best five. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, and it's sort of refreshing actually to be able to talk a little bit about last season a little bit about some of the personnel because to this point uh, and you know through no fault of anybody's really but a lot of the coaches just have not been uh, equipped to talk about the guys on their roster because they're still learning of names and and abilities and things so it was kind of fun to hear from Donovan Rail uh, really I believe for the first time since uh, fall camp uh, last year so to hear him you know put out an assessment that he felt like the offensive line got better week to week, uh, you know, I thought was, was notable. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, as he pieces together what this offensive line could look like, uh, you know, with Teddy Prohaska still out this spring, what does that look like at left tackle? I mean, he threw out a name like Bryce Benhart, who's been on the right side, or Turner Corcoran could move back out there. Uh, you know, it may have been coach speak, maybe not, but just this idea that Ben Scott, the Arizona State transfer, uh, isn't necessarily earmarked for that center spot. I still think he'll probably end up there, but just this notion that um, competition's wide open, that uh, they expect to see some some progression and improvement from a lot of these guys who've been in the program for a number of years now uh, was interesting too. And so, you know, we've heard from 
Matt Rule. We've heard from uh, Marcus Satterfield, guys like that who have been enamored with Donovan Rayola and the way that he teaches the offensive line and how he goes about his business. And, you know, I think what we heard from, from Rayola today generally is in line with what we've heard from him in the past. A lot of shorter answers, but I think at times, too, just this, this mentality of toughness and uh, what he wants this line to be. So year two is always easier than year one, especially at a, at a position where cohesiveness and, and sort of working in concert is especially key, and um, he's going to get that chance here moving forward. If you were to, to, to get asked by uh, uh, Riola, where do you think Turner's best fit is? We've seen him everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he, he mentioned he could even play some center. center yeah. Obviously, <laughs> we've seen him at left tackle. We've seen him at the guard spot. Uh, you know, I, I'm no talent scout, but I, what I've heard and what I've seen, I would say, you know, you look at what he would project to be at at the next level, I'd, I'd put him at guard personally. I mean, that's a spot, too, where Nebraska's uh, kind of struggled to find a lot of continuity and push through the middle of that line in recent years. And, and you look at, you know, you think back to Turner Corcoran. I mean, he was a four-star kid getting offers from all over the country. So the potential's there. The pedigree's there. Uh, he's in that back half of his career now where you you would hope that that potential turns more into production. Um, but he's, you know, he's a versatile kid, uh, not afraid to work. You talk to him, he's, he's the guy who wears the run the damn ball hat, you know, so he's, he's <laughs> bought into what the culture is, but I would imagine interior ideally would be the spot. But again, it's, especially when you're a little light on scholarship numbers, the way Nebraska still is, those guys who are versatile across the line are especially valuable. Yeah, and with, with with Turner, you mentioned the the run the damn ball. I think that fits better for an interior offensive lineman, especially whenever you you look at what he's put on film in recent years. And he has at times looked a little bit lost out in space with that tackle position going up against some really high level edge rushers in the Big Ten guys that have the speed advantage on him. At times, he's just looked a little bit mismatched out there on the edge. And, and I think interior offensive line might be the fit for him. But there's also a bit of a a log jam along the interior offensive line as well, Evan. When you look at Nuri coming back off of uh, off of suspension for a year, Ben Scott gets added into the mix. You had Ethan Piper, who's got really two years of starting experience. I know he's been kind of thrown into the starting lineup and then removed from it in times over the past couple of seasons, but there's there's somewhat of a logjam there if Turner does end up making the full-time switch into guard. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's what the spring is going to be all about, is is trying to find the best five, and we've heard Rayola say that before. Um, but you think, I mean, they have other options at tackle now, too. And, and three years ago, or two years ago, they pretty much needed to put Turner Corcoran out there. You think about that end of the 2020 season when he got his first start against Rutgers. That was out of necessity because of injuries. And now there's a situation or a scenario where you could put Ben Hart out on the edge. You don't know what Jacob Hood, the Georgia transfer coming in, maybe can bring to the uh, equation. Teddy Prohaska out this spring, but somebody that you feel really strongly about long-term being you know, a solution out there, too. So, you know, I, I recall uh, Corcoran saying in previous interviews, too, it's really not that big of a jump for him to move from the inside to outside. I know for it sort of varies player to player on, on what that transition's like, but he's always sort of expressed that it, 
it doesn't really matter where he lands up. It's more of a mentality for him. And, um, you know, I think you're going to see that at a lot of positions this spring where coaches uh, with fresh eyes are going to evaluate players. And certainly the, the offensive line is a really interesting one because these players have been cross-trained. Um, and now you, you bring in a, in a guy like Matt Rule, who is well-versed, uh, especially in the trenches on that offensive side. It'll be really fascinating to see where he projects um, Corcoran and, and a lot of his mates along the line here moving forward. Evan, do you think the cross-trainings, and I don't know the amount of cross-training they've done other than that, that it's been done, and you've had guys flip-flop spots, but has that taken away from some development of the here and now? I mean, has that hurt this group as a whole because they've – they, they've they've struggled. They're they're getting better. I like what Coach Raiola said, and he was right. They got better as the year went on, but they had six different starting five rotations. You've not had Teddy for either season. Turner's had to play a bunch of different spots. You missed Nuri a year ago. Ben Hart's been out, in and out of the lineup. Is this just as simple? The talent's there. The continuity's got to kind of rise to the top, or do you think some of the cross trainings? hurt development at one spot? Well, I mean, I don't get the sense that what Nebraska's done cross-training is unusual in college football. I think that's pretty common, and and typically over the course of a player's career at that position, they sort of gravitate to wherever they might project at the next level. I mean, I think about Ben Scott, for example. He was the reason, one of the reasons he transferred from Arizona State was because he believes that he projects to be a center in the NFL and he was playing tackle at different times out there and didn't feel like he was being used well. So, you know, I think that's part of it. Um, ideally, right. Like you, you would be able to specialize in one spot and then sort of fill in elsewhere as needed. But, you know, it, it's been a rough go for Nebraska, whether it's through just, um, you know, misses in recruiting to injuries to ineffectiveness, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. They just haven't had the luxury of rolling out the same five guys and allowing them to build that rapport. It just hasn't happened. And so, you know, if you're, if you're trying to cover your bases, you, you better be sure you have enough guys who are equipped to play wherever a need may rise. And so I think, you know, Nebraska's been in, in survival mode a little bit just because of, of all the, the transitions and, and things in flux over the years that it's been hard to build up that continuity. And now maybe – um, you know, with the priority of, of bringing more bodies into the room. You know, R- Rule has said they want 16 scholarship offensive linemen in that room, and I think it's, you know, 13 or 14 right now. Um, you know, that's that's going to be a major point of emphasis building up. Uh, they're going to continue to cross-train, but, you know, hopefully for, for Nebraska's sake, um, again, they have the luxury to, to build some depth behind them and to be able to specialize a little bit too. Evan Bland is with us here from the Omaha World Herald. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, let's switch gears here. Talk Carter Nelson. He's picked up just a laundry list of offers over the past couple days. Bama, Georgia, Texas, Miami, as of an hour ago, has uh, reached out and sent an offer to, to Carter Nelson. So Nebraska is again going to be in for a dogfight for the, the top in-state recruit yet again. Where do you think Carter Nelson ranks on this Husker big board as it stands right now? I think Dylan Ryle is at the top, but Carter Nelson can't be far behind. Right. Yeah, he's probably yeah number two, uh, I would think, at this point. And it, it, what a story, right? I mean, a, an eight-man player from Ainsworth, Nebraska, getting the kind of attention that he is from uh, the defending champs, Miami, like you mentioned, Alabama. 
and a whole host of other schools. I, you know, I, I think in, in one breath, it's sort of it's just a reminder of how uh, you know national recruiting has become. I mean, a guy like that, ten or fifteen years ago, is not getting that kind of attention. But through technology, um, you know, huddle, social media, different things like that. Uh, these schools are recruiting everywhere, and they can find a, a player anywhere. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to Ainsworth, Nebraska, uh, but I have, and it's it's. I mean, it is out there. You you have you you don't go to Ainsworth accidentally. I mean, you got to try to get there. And so, uh, for him to get that attention is a testament, I think, to where recruiting is going. But it's also a testament to Carter Nelson himself and what he's been able to do, the measurables that he has. You know, an, eight, an eight-man player generally speaking, does not get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to recruiting tape and things like that. So uh, whether that's makeup, physical ability, versatility, um, I mean, that's a guy who's who's got it all, who's going to have all the big dogs after him. You you would have to think that the in-state school um, would have uh, an inside track there to Carter Nelson's services down the stretch. But I think it's a reminder, too, for Nebraska and Nebraska fans that um, you know, 20 years ago, if you offer an in-state kid, you're feeling pretty good that that guy is coming. And now um, the reality is you have to put in the effort to recruit those guys just as much as you would a player from out of state or a long way away. And you know, I think luckily for Nebraska, Matt Rule's already uh, put in some effort there. So it's going to be a fight. I, I still would think that Nebraska's got as good a chance as anybody, but it's going to be a fun process to watch play out. Okay, so you've been to Ainsworth, Evan. Did you stop at the cafe? Did you have a slice of pie, or did you have some? Uh, did you have a chicken fried steak? Tell me, tell me the food layout. Oh my gosh, it, it's been a while. So I, I interned uh, at a at a paper up in Norfolk um, way back in the day, two thousand eight, sure. and uh, I was on an assignment out there. Drove way out there for a day. I, I, food wise, man, I don't remember. I remember they had a cool, uh, cool golf course, okay. and the sprawling hills. Um, you know, it's it's big sky, all that stuff. It's a cool place to visit, but uh, man, I'd love to be a fly on the wall to see some of these major college football head coaches coming into Ainsworth to check out the scene. We have to do a road show out there one of these Let's days. Let's go to, if we can just we're gonna get we'll, we'll get a, we'll get a round of eighteen in. Yes, well, and then we'll go sit outside the high school and see what coaches we can see going into to Ainsworth High. Well, notable people from Ainsworth. Uh, you've got, uh, of course, Carter Nelson, number Carter one. Nelson, and, and then you have uh, Marvel Ray, a silent films actress. Huh. <laughs> so today I learned. There's two. <laughs> today there's I learned. Two. What did you learn from Will Bolt? Before we go, Evan. <laughs> well, I, I learned that it it's. Interesting, when your team struggles out of the gate, you have to sort of discern how much stock do you put in those struggles versus what you saw from season. So I think, you know, on the offensive side, they're pretty confident in what they can be. And I, from what I saw, I would think that this is going to be a lineup that's going to be stronger. Certainly last year, Dylan Carey came out of the gates hot. Charlie Fisher looks really strong. They have a number of other players who they feel good about. The pitching side will be interesting, especially in the bullpen, where you know they were within a run one way or the other in every game late uh, last weekend, and they found a way to to lose them all, whether through blocks or walks or uh, ill-timed hits or things like that. So uh, it's a team that, uh, especially in the bullpen, I think that was challenged by their coaches to be more aggressive, to be more competitive, throw strikes, uh, trust your pitches, trust your conviction. Um, so I imagine we'll, we'll probably see a little bit of some role shuffling this weekend. Uh, you know, who, who who do you bring in in a high leverage situation late after what you just saw in San Diego? Like, there's just 
I don't know that there are a lot of names based on what we just saw that you feel good about. So they're, I think, looking for a bounce back in the bullpen. They still believe they're a good team. Um, but after what you saw the first weekend, you know, again, I, I think you need to start seeing those results uh, in a game that they've been able to see behind the scenes now for many months. Evan, 15 seconds, what kind of baseball program is South Alabama? Uh, well, we'll see. I mean, they've had they've had their share of major leaguers over the year. Uh, Juan Pierre, Adam Lind from back in the day. Uh, I don't know how good they are this year. They got walked 20 times in a game last weekend, so their numbers look pretty good. Um, it tends to be a, a fairly traditional program, so we'll see how it goes. Evan Bland with us from the World Herald at Evan Bland OWH. Find him on Twitter. Read him with uh, Omaha.com. Evan, good to get caught up, man. Thanks for squeezing us in today. Thanks, guys. Right. Take care. There he is, Evan Bland. Ainsworth. We just got to do a, a summer show tour. Oh, go around the state. We'll hit every single, all 92 counties. Done. All right. That'd be we, tough. We just got to <laughs> get some Venmo here for, uh, for gas money.